0: Welcome to the English with Reese podcast. My name is Rhys. I'm a professional master's level English teacher from the UK, and I'm here to help you level up your English. So in today's episode, you'll learn advanced vocabulary related to travel. You'll improve your listening comprehension skills, of course, and you'll discover rhetorical questions. On the English with Reese podcast, you'll always learn through an interesting context. And today's episode is all about making a travel plan. Now, here's a very cool thing. I have adapted this episode from a blog that I used to keep about travel. The blog is not available anymore, but I kept the blog posts. Now, this means everything I'm about to say was written by a native for a native. And that's so important when you're learning a language. A lot of what you read for learners is made for learners. These conversations you read never happened, which means sometimes they'll use vocabulary that is great English, but not really said by a native speaker. When you listen to authentic texts, that's what that's called, authentic texts, you're getting something made for natives. This is really what people say so today's episode like every episode is authentic in that way so i'm going to talk about how long you should travel for what you should and shouldn't plan and something that i like to call goldilocks travel now if you'd like to get more out of this podcast there are three ways you can do that number one is to download the transcript for free studies have shown that you acquire vocabulary more quickly and more fully if you read along while you listen so you don't want to miss out on this one if you're watching this episode as a video you can also just turn on the subtitles the second way you can get more out of this podcast is by downloading the worksheet now this week's worksheet has additional pre and post listening activities such as vocabulary practice, comprehension checks, and practice on talking about imaginary situations and using rhetorical questions. But if you're really, really, really serious about levelling up your English as fast as possible, well, there's no better way than by following me on Patreon, okay? If you do that, you'll be able to download the transcript and worksheet, but you'll also get to listen to the podcast free you'll get additional behind-the-scenes content and activities and you'll join a monthly live chat with me but most of all you will get a nice little feeling for supporting my work so links to everything I just mentioned are in the description when we think about a rich person we often think about somebody with a lot of money someone who can afford to buy and do whatever they want But we tend to overlook the other things that can enrich our lives. Close relationships, great health, personal achievements, and the one I'll be focusing on today, freedom. A career, a mortgage, a nice car, a flagship phone, children. For many of us, these are our goals. They spell out comfort, security, and happiness. But for a traveller, They spell out obligation, restriction, and maybe even unhappiness. For the traveller, each of these things reduces the amount of opportunities that you have. Now, one thing I'd like to mention before I say anything else is that I don't think either person is happier, the traveller or the non-traveller. I don't think anyone is better in any way, but I do think that people are different. And like to do different things all humans different we have our own individual wants and our own individual needs and they can change over time personally I've been slowly moving between the two I used to want to travel as much as possible but now all I can think about is how much I want to own my own home and we all have different circumstances it's just not possible for everyone to travel in the way that we think about travel. Perhaps you only have one week or maybe even just a weekend that you can take off work. Does that mean you can't travel? I wouldn't say so. For me, travel is more about style than time. Let's say you're sitting by the pool at an all-inclusive hotel drinking piña coladas all day. I would call that a holiday. But if you're out in the community exploring new things eating new food speaking to the locals and trying to understand the culture well then i would say you are traveling traveling has this idea of exploring that a holiday doesn't usually maybe you're planning to travel right now or perhaps you'd like to fantasize about it if that's the case then i need to tell you about the biggest mistake that most first-time travelers make. They plan everything. Going to an unknown place makes us plan. We worry that we'll overspend, that we won't make the most of our time, that prices will change, or that attractions will be fully booked. We all want that sense of security. So people pay for day trips and their flights back home, even before they've even left their house. It's natural, but by doing this, these people often miss out on going on some incredible adventures and meeting interesting people with fresh ways of seeing things. Imagine this. You're planning a four-week trip to Australia. You've booked your flight to Sydney. You've booked a hostel for your first two weeks. And you've booked a bus ticket for your onward journey to Melbourne. Now, let's fast forward a week into your trip you're sitting in your hostel having a great chat with your new group of friends they start talking about their upcoming trip to brisbane and they invite you along for the journey so now you've got a dilemma you've already paid for your bus to melbourne so do you turn down their offer or do you say goodbye to the money that you've spent and join your new friends in brisbane The reason I'm telling you about this is that it actually happened to me. I used to be an over-planner, and in the summer of 2017, I got a job as an English teacher at a few summer camps around Italy. Before I'd arrived in Italy, I had already booked my flight back home. I thought about how it would probably be cheaper to do it earlier. But at my final summer camp, I became close with my fellow teachers. And we discussed taking a week-long trip to Sardinia, an island off the mainland of Italy. I was faced with the same dilemma from our Australia example. Do I go back home? I've already bought a ticket. Or do I say goodbye to the money that I'd spent and go with them to Sardinia? The decision wasn't easy and I took a few days to think about it. Thankfully though, I finally decided to take them up on their invite and it ended up being the right choice. I made some of my favourite travel memories in Sardinia, memories that I continue to think about to this day. We ate 27 pizzas in one week. We created ridiculous music on my friend's ukulele. We took an overnight ferry and slept on the ballroom stage. We got lost, we got lost again And we even discovered a tourist-free flamingo sanctuary. I will never forget that. A couple of years later, one of these friends was living in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and he invited me to stay with him for a week. Later, he also visited me in Bangkok, Thailand, where I was living. So the decision not to stick to my plans back in Italy led to further experiences later on. And surely there will be even more to come in the future. That week in Sardinia was worth a lot more than the money I'd spent on a plane ticket. Although granted, plane tickets back then were far more affordable than they are now. Especially if you were going from Europe to Europe. If it was an expensive international flight, there's no way I would have said goodbye to that money. I guess what I'm suggesting to you is to not worry too much about making a strict plan. Allow yourself some breathing room. You'll want the opportunity to make new plans while you're there. If things don't turn out the way they did for me, well, at least you had an adventure. Stop the podcast. I wanted to let you know that right now, the podcast is sponsored by Skillshare. You may have heard of Skillshare. It's a website where you can learn just about anything you can imagine. Since you are an English learner, you might like to know that there are currently over 800 different English classes that you can take right now for one monthly price. And if you use my link, Skillshare.EQCM/Reese, it's free for the first month. So that's Skillshare.eqcm, M for monkey, slash Reese, you'll get the first month for free. Also, that link is in the description. After your first free month, you can use the code ANNUAL30AFF to get 30% off a yearly subscription. That's ANNUAL30AFF. Back to the podcast. There's an idea that you might have heard of. It's called the butterfly effect. The idea is that even a small action or decision can lead to something much larger later on. It's named after the idea of a small butterfly flapping their wings, which could possibly cause a typhoon on the other side of the world. I think the planning less can have a similar effect. Allow some chaos in your life and that can lead to adventure. Of course, there is a balance, though. You shouldn't just go to a new country with no idea about the local customs, what to do or see, or where certain things are. If you do that, you could end up seeing even less. I'd recommend just going with ideas, not plans. I often make a list of things that I might like to do while I'm there. Usually, I keep that in my Maps app I've pinned. The different locations but once i'm there in the new country or in the new place i'm way more open to suggestion so far my advice has been mostly useful for long-term travelers for people interested in making new friends or for people without commitments back home that they need to return to but this doesn't describe all travelers some travelers only do it short term so let's talk about that A short-term traveller might only have a few days or a week and they're probably just going to stay in one place so that they can make the most of their time. But here's the thing. They will actually end up seeing even more than the long-term traveller. Think about it like this. How many attractions do you know of within 10 kilometres of your hometown? And how many of those have you visited? For me, it's not many. But when you're in one location for such a short amount of time, there is a pressure or a kind of stress that forces you to want to do more. The clock is counting down and you will have to leave soon. You must see and do everything while you still can. And here's the best part about being a short-term traveler with this kind of pressure itineraries have already been written and are available for free online. Tokyo in six days, Paris in two, London in 24 hours. There is something for every short-term traveller. I first discovered these kinds of itineraries when I worked in Shijiazhuang in China. I didn't have much time off, but I wanted to visit Shanghai while I was in China. So I planned to go one weekend since it was just a weekend i had that pressure i just talked about it made me want to see and do as much as possible and because of these itineraries it was easy someone had already taken the time to plan how to get between each location they mentioned which attractions could be skipped if you didn't have much time and they talked about things like opening hours and how to beat the crowd. I followed mine as a guideline. I ignored a few things that didn't interest me, and I added in a few things that did. If I hadn't used an itinerary, I would have probably only gone to the main tourist spots, the view of the Bund, the tallest building in China, and maybe Yu Garden. But since I did have an itinerary, I also went to Shanghai Museum, I visited the People's Square, I saw a scale model of Shanghai, I took a tram through the pedestrian mall, I saw the old town, I took a boat along the river, I walked through the French concession, and <laughs> I experienced a Bun sightseeing tunnel. You get the point, that's a long list of things. I had only spent 48 hours in this city, but I took in so much, in comparison... My hometown is just two hours away from Stratford upon Avon, which is Shakespeare's hometown. I'm an hour from Stonehenge, I'm an hour from the annual Cheese Chase, I'm an hour from the Roman baths, and I'm only four hours from Clanfapo, Gungogogero, Contrapo Clinticilio somewhere with one of the largest place names in the world. However, I haven't been to any of them. Why? Because I could do it any time. Therefore I probably never will and if you stay in one place long term you might have that same problem so let's talk about that so when I talk about long-term travel I'm talking about staying in one place for more than three months this is typically how I've traveled because I've always gone from job to job that's how I afford it I work in the countries I go to The advantage of travelling in this way is that you get to know the community. If you're working or volunteering, you can make friends quickly who can show you the things you would miss on your own. Eventually, you may also get to know the locals, become familiar with some of the language, try more local food and generally get a better sense of the local culture. One of the greatest things that I get from living or travelling abroad Is that it tells me more about my own country the things that we do that are different or maybe kind of strange for better or worse now think about working abroad you might think you get the best of both worlds you could work through the week and see something new on the weekend but let's be honest that never really happens after a 40-hour work week you just don't really have that energy Add household chores on top of that, and you'll see that most people don't really do anything new. So, how do you win? Goldilocks travel. Goldilocks travel is a phrase that I made up, to be honest, but it means to stay in one place for one to three months. It's long enough that you have a chance to explore the culture and get to know people, but it's also short enough that there is still some pressure to go and do new things. For me, the novelty of being in a new place wears off after about two to three months. At that point, you don't really feel like you're travelling, you don't feel like you're in a new place. You're just living. Overall, I think the best thing you can do is book your flight there, as well as accommodation for the first little bit of time, make sure you have enough money in the bank for emergency flights back home, and just go and have an adventure. Sitting here and recording the podcast telling you about my experiences living and travelling abroad makes me think about how not everybody can do it. Yes, on the one hand, I've never been rich enough to just go and travel and not work. I've always had to get a job in these countries. But on the other hand, I only get these jobs because these countries are looking for native English teachers. And I happen to be one. I was born and raised in a native English-speaking country. That wasn't something that I planned, it's something I was born into. And I know plenty of fantastic non-native English teachers, but a lot of countries don't want them. And I think that's kind of unfair. I'm also lucky that I enjoy teaching English because a lot of people don't enjoy their jobs. So, while I do work hard and I try to improve my knowledge and teaching skills, there is no way that I could have traveled if I wasn't a native English speaker and enjoyed teaching. So, let's move on a little bit. I want to tell you about some of the key phrases I used in today's episode. I talked about how you might worry that attractions will be fully booked. And that's our phrase, fully booked. To book something, means to reserve something or buy a ticket in advance. So something that's fully booked has no more room or no more tickets left to sell. Sorry sir, our rooms are fully booked. Sorry ma'am, the restaurant is fully booked this evening. I also talked about saying goodbye to the money. You could also say waving goodbye to something. This means that you are accepting that you will no longer have something you value or something you had hoped to receive you've taken six days off this week say goodbye to that promotion at one point i also said that the clock is counting down this simply means that time is running out there is not much time left to do or complete something get 50 percent off this electric kettle but act fast the clock is counting down lastly I said that I took in so much in Shanghai. And that's a phrasal verb, take in or take something in. When you take something in, it means you're noticing something, usually with your eyes. I just sat there and took in all the beauty that the countryside had to offer. If you found this podcast useful and you would like to support me and the free videos and podcasts that I put out, you can do that on Patreon. The link is in the description. Remember, you'll get ad-free episodes, PDF worksheets, live chats with me, and other behind-the-scenes content and activities. You could also share this podcast with your friends and leave a review on whichever app you are using. That will really help me get the podcast to more people. Finally, I would love to thank my dedicated learners over on Patreon. Their names are Anzu Takakura and Gene Nguzumalo. Thank you so much for your support.